Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Championship for Notre Dame! Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game! The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Tomorrow, I should just, like, mute out his name and put my name in, like, really badly. And now, you know, here's... Just markedly different quality of sound. <laughs> Spudwise's weekday sports beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hope your uh, hope your Wednesday is going well. Things, uh, of course, with this program, uh, taking care of a a little bit of business right off the top. Of course, uh, Budweiser's weekday sports beat. What? You know, one of these days I'm going to be able to flip paper. Uh, <laughs> Budweiser Weekday Sports Beat, of course, brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by the United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Also by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. And by South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Last night, got the uh, the brand new rankings, brand new uh, college football playoff rankings. The last rankings uh, before uh, all the bowls get announced, basically on Sunday. We'll find out, uh, you know, who's going where, when. We'll find out where Notre Dame's going as far as a bowl game. New top four, though, a new top four, and at my gosh. What what an honor to to help one of these teams get in. Fracking, um, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and uh, and USC. That's your uh, that's your brand new top four. Of course, no change at the top. Georgia, you know, twelve and zero. Of course, they're going to remain number one. Uh, Michigan, you know, beating uh, beating Ohio State to stay twelve and zero. TCU. Uh, uh, Let's see, moving up one spot to number three. Michigan up one spot to number two. Uh, Ohio State out of the top four. LSU also lost, so that whole, uh, you know, little murky situation of, uh, you know, a certain somebody just kind of lurking and, you know, marching ass backwards into a 
college football playoff. Just saying. Uh, Ohio State dropping to number four. Pretty much uh, hoping for chaos <laughs> coming up. And who knows? We may get chaos in the uh, in the Big Ten championship game. I know leading up to it, as far as Purdue goes, and this is not the team that you want to have chaos with the Big Ten championship game. But uh, you know, it's kind of a weird, sad situation, actually. Uh, just mentioned that uh, um, Aiden O'Connell, the, uh, the the quarterback for Purdue, his brother uh, passed away last week. Uh, he only announced it on Sunday after uh, Purdue beat IU in the uh, the old Oak and Bucket game on uh, on Saturday. Uh, he's away from campus this week, taking care of you know family stuff. And uh, you know, mourning uh, mourning the loss of his brother. So I mean, you know, it's, that that's just kind of a crazy. You know, like it's terrible whenever for for Purdue anyway. It's it's really bad that this is happening now. Um, but yeah, you know, Michigan probably not going to have much of a problem with Purdue regardless of uh, of who plays what. But uh, yeah, really, uh, really unfortunate situation for uh, for Aiden O'Connell uh, of Purdue. So, but uh, but yeah, I mean, Michigan just just we all know that that the West, you know, the Big Ten West team is basically just the sacrifice for the Big Ten East team. It has been from the start of this game. It's really what makes it one of. Uh, I don't want to say it's one of the worst conference games, but it ain't good. Um, like, it's just so predictable. The Big Ten East is just so stacked. It's just, it, it, it's got all the, all the teams that you would think would possibly win the Big Ten in it. Um, you know, with the exception of, like, Wisconsin. Like, they're the exception. And even even right now, that ain't happening. Uh, but Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, they're all in the East. What does the West have? You know, this year it's Purdue with an eight and four record. Purdue kind of, you know, marching <laughs> just kind of backing into a to a Big Ten championship game, quite honestly. Like a couple of weeks ago, that was not the case. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully, it, it, that's able to change. I don't see it happening though. Regardless, we'll have it on our air. Uh, we've got the SEC championship game starting at three thirty here on Saturday uh, between Georgia and LSU. And then uh, immediately following that will be the uh, the Big Ten game. So right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, uh, you know, even even with an off weekend, even with a Notre Dame, you know, off weekend, you know, no more games for the regular season, no more games until the bowl game, whichever one that's going to be. Uh, we've we've got you covered for college football. So uh, definitely one of the biggest games of the day. <laughs> Who knows? The Pac-12 championship may may wind up being may wind up being nuts. It's USC who you know in the top four now, but if if the role isn't if the role of spoiler couldn't fall to Notre Dame last week, I'm hoping that it falls to Utah this week. 
Utah has the win over USC this this year. Granted, it was a shootout. 43-42 was, was the final score of that game. There's no defense go, going to be happening in the, Pac, in the Pac-12 championship. <laughs> None whatsoever. That's what could make it one of the one of the more fun games, though. Like that that's a that's a game I'm I'm going to hunt out. You know, like that's that's a game that's like okay. I've got I've got a got a bucket of beers. I've got some sort of food in front of me: nachos, wings, whatever. All right, let's let's turn it on. Let's watch this shootout happen. <laughs> Away with you! So, but yeah, Ohio State still kind of still kind of lurking there at number five, and the vampire himself still lurking. I say vampire, and I I know that that kind of sounds uh. That that does kind of sound like really mean and 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 kind of uncalled for, but it's in a way in that uh, if if you want to count Nick Saban out, you basically have to cut his head off. That's the only way you're going to get rid of him. Alabama's at number six in the uh, in the latest college football poll. Um, I mean, <laughs> what happens if chaos happens in the SEC championship game? You know, obviously Georgia doesn't get in, but do you take Alabama over, say, a TCU? You know, if if if, uh, if TCU winds up having a uh, a tough time in uh, in the Big Twelve championship game, you know what what do you do then? They're playing uh, number ten Kansas State. TCU is. Um, I mean the the top four teams they're all favored to win, but that's why that's that's why you play the game. That's that's the old adage. It's why you play the game. So yeah, you know, the, the 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 playoff kind of turned out the way that I thought that it would. Um. I figured Ohio State was gonna was gonna drop out, you know. I figured, you know, USC. I, I mean, how do how do you keep USC out of the top four? You know, at this point, it's certainly the most diverse uh, uh, college football playoff that we've had in a while, though. Like, first of all, there's a team from the West Coast in there. Holy hell! <laughs> Been a while. What, like Oregon was the last one? That's been, what, like four or five years? So. Do I, do I, want, do I want the, uh, the schadenfreude of, uh, of the playoff committee having to really work in the overnight? Uh, not just as far as voting and justifying who they're putting in the top four and who they're putting in uh, both of the semifinal games and whatnot. Or do I just want this to be easy? Like, there's there's part of me that just says, bring on the chaos. Bring on the chaos! 
I can totally see Alabama, like, somehow. Well, Alabama on reputation, they get in the top four. Even though they didn't do anything, you know. Even though they didn't even play for the championship. I can totally see that. Again, you have to cut Nick Saban's head off. <laughs> if you really if you really want to be rid of him. If you really if you really want to think that he's dead, you have to take his head off. It's the only way. <laughs> mm. Like they just they they just they just don't go away. They never will either. Like that's got to be a credit to 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 Nick Saban too. I mean, I mean, let's let's face it. The fact that they're just even lurking, and and the number of national championships that they have won with him as the head coach. I mean, it easily makes him, you know, one of the top four, one one of the top four head coaches in college football ever. You know, Newt Rockney, Bear Bryant. Amos Alonzo Stagg, I think. Nick Saban's got to be in that conversation. He's, you know, he, 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 changed, he changed the entire structure of, uh, of, uh, of college football. Changed it completely. Every school wants to be Alabama. Every school at every level. They want the facilities like Alabama. They want to go out, get the recruits like Alabama does. Every, everybody's been looking to Alabama as the beacon. All right? As, as the goal. I mean, that alone makes him one of the top four, I think. Let's see. Uh, Tennessee at number seven, Penn State number eight, Clemson at number nine. They got no shot. They, they, they got no shot. Kansas number ten, uh, Clemson of course playing number twenty three. North Carolina in the ACC championship game Saturday night. Uh, Tigers lost to South Carolina last week. Of course, that's thirty one to thirty. Basically eliminated themselves from playoff contention. It's you know, it, it, it's always good when when a team like that just. You know, takes care of their own business and just gracefully bows out. <laughs> South Carolina at the uh, the number nineteen spot this week. Of course, uh, South Carolina also beat Tennessee uh, the previous week, sixty three to thirty eight. South Carolina could put up some points, and if the prognosticators are correct, as far as a bowl game goes. Uh, Notre Dame, by the way, 21 in the uh, college football playoff rankings. Uh, Notre Dame can probably look at the Gator Bowl as being their bowl, their bowl destination, which isn't bad. Yeah, Jacksonville, it's warmer than here. <laughs> it's it's going to be warmer than here on New Year's Day, I know that much. Uh, you know, probably some more sunlight than that. It's a Friday game, a, you know, a Friday afternoon game, I believe. On uh, on December thirtieth, there's worse games to be at, and considering you know how 
how we were all thinking that the sky was falling, you know, like, say, oh, week three, um, or, you know, heading into week four. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Everything is awful. Um, considering the point that, that Notre Dame is at now compared to then, uh, yeah, the Gator Bowls is a, is a pretty good finishing point. Pretty darn good. You know, that's the, that, that's not one of those games that gets buried on uh, you know like December twenty third or something like that at uh, at one thirty in the afternoon on 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 FS two or something like that. Well, this is you know I think like three thirty kick or there about you know three or three thirty kick on ESPN. Solid. That's solid. So while getting to the Gator Bowl is good. <laughs> All the prognosticators are saying that South Carolina is going to be the team that meets them there. <laughs> ah! Could be in uh, could be in for one more roller coaster as it were. Of course uh Sunday once we find out what what bowl game Notre Dame is going to be going to, we'll let you know. Um Go download the uh, the WSBT radio app now. You know the the Apple Store, Google Play, uh, wherever else you can get a phone app. Uh, go get it; it's free. Allow the push notifications. That you know we'll, that's how that's how we'll find out. You know that's how we'll let you know where uh, where Notre Dame is going to be going where uh, where they're going to be going bowling anyway coming up. So. <sighs> Final rankings, too, on Sunday, so. Why do they have to do that, like, up against... I mean, granted, mid-season NFL, we're not really going up against a whole heck of a lot, but, I mean, why do they got to do that against the NFL? How do, how do they expect me to go flipping back and forth between ESPN and Red Zone? Come on. Come on, playoff committee! Still to come. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser was on a uh, was on a podcast called the uh, the Brenneman Show. had some uh, had some interesting things to say, actually. Uh, just interesting things about you know how he was recruited, his relationship here at Notre Dame with uh, with Brian Kelly, what that was like, um, going from Cleveland to Green Bay. That whole process is actually kind of amusing <laughs> to hear him recount, and uh, and 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 we find out that. Aaron Rodgers has been a little bit of crazy this whole time. This portion of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat brought to you by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area, now open for carryouts, Barnaby's, the Family Inn. Also by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. This holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. Got, uh, let's see, some uh, some sports betting tonight. Kind of took it on the chin a little bit last night, not going to lie. Uh, hopefully tonight goes a little bit better. That'll be uh, that'll be coming up in in a little bit. 
Uh, also, uh, we'll 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 start going through the uh, the college conference games uh, as far as uh, as far as a you know a, a a good way to to bet on those games goes. You know, we'll uh, we'll start going through that uh, coming up here a little bit later on in the uh, in the program, and then of course a uh, another uh, edition of the worst World Cup uh, update ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be epically bad once again. It's gonna be awesome. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that is all still to come. Deshaun Kaiser, former Notre Dame uh, quarterback, former NFL quarterback, spent time uh, spent time with the Browns, of course. Uh, wound up getting treated or traded to uh, to Green Bay. Uh, he was on a uh, he was on a podcast called the Brenneman Show, and uh, actually had a pretty good interview with uh, with the host of said of said show, uh, Adam Brenneman, uh, who I believe former Penn State football player, I think, I think like during the Bill O'Brien days, so maybe off on that, but whichever. Um, Talked about a bunch of uh, a bunch of different things, including uh, including his recruiting process, just how all that went down. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser, right now from the Brenneman Show. I got a couple offers, like some of those like random offers that like weren't really serious offers, but because you're so athletic, like what, like, like what schools, like, like, like Mac uh, schools, or you mean like I mean, power? Yeah, five? so I had I had the Mac schools. You know, you had BG that's close by. You had Toledo that was close by. Toledo offered me in all three sports as a as a uh, I think a sophomore. When so. Toledo offered, you were on cloud nine. You were <laughs> yeah. So here's the, here's the catch. I had I had like Syracuse. Oh, you know, okay. like yeah. schools that were like trying to get football up and the going. The ones that all for everybody. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, I had a local guy who was from Toledo, knew who I was, offered me after my freshman season. I hadn't even played varsity yet, but because I'm you know a tall, athletic yeah. guy playing quarterback and throw the ball a long way, I was getting those offers. So, um, I, so I, I I picked up more of those in in my junior year, and then after my junior year is when things started to get a little bit serious. Now you have these committable offers. Mm-hmm. You got good schools: Michigan State, Duke, North Carolina. Um, Ivy League, so it was it was starting to pick up a little bit for me, and then the way that that uh, the recruiting kind of story goes is I'm getting ready to make a decision. You know, as a junior in high school, that's pretty much your your senior year when it comes to making your decision. Sure. You know, there's only so many spots out there. They're only offering most teams are only offering one quarterback a, a year, and those those uh, those offers typically go out. Um, they're only committing one quarterback a year, and those offers typically go out after your sophomore year. So, I get to my junior year, I got to make a decision before all these slots get taken up. So I had Michigan State, at North Carolina, um, and some other schools. But that was really the, the, the main decision I was looking to make there. And the day that I was going to commit to Michigan State, a quarterback committed there. I believe his last name was Durkin. He ended up playing, I think, linebacker, like Virginia Tech or something. <laughs> that, that was tough, but that hurt. But they said they would still take me. I can go compete with him, uh-huh. or I can go to North Carolina. So I'm, I'm actually going to make the decision to go to North Carolina. love the offensive coordinator there. Um, love the quarterback coach, um, and Larry Fedora, head coach. Yeah, Fedora's head coach. Uh, yeah. um, but I was not not really excited about it. My parents could tell I wasn't really excited. So, um, the day I was going to make the call, wake up, dad comes upstairs. I'm kind of stressing. Um, you know, is this the right move? Is there a better school for me? You had like Tennessee. You had you know some of these other schools. It's like maybe I should go to a bigger school if I'm going to go play at that level. Um, but ultimately, uh, my dad said, "Look, 
what if there was one school out there or a couple schools out there that you would consider like just call them just see just see if there's someone out there that might consider taking yeah. you still and and before you make this final decision I mean, it's like but but I think you should narrow it down to like really one school what, what's that school and where would you go and I was like that Notre Dame it's like it's right down the road it's a great education it's playing that you know the highest level of football I would love to go to Notre Dame they're in the national championship that year 2013 I would love to go to Notre Dame so I gave him a call and uh, the my area coach at the time was Mike Elston, but then the offensive coordinator was Chuck Martin. And I'd get on the phone with both of them. Chuck, great yeah. guy, great guy, Miami, Ohio. Um, and you know, asked them, "Hey, what are you guys doing in this year?" They, at first, they were saying they weren't taking a quarterback, but the week that I called, Everett Golson had decided or had gotten in trouble. He had the, the academic issue right. where he was going to get suspended for the next year, so they wanted to bring in another guy just in case. He's like, "We'll come out and watch you throw. Can you hold off on making your commitment?" They came and watched me throw the following Wednesday before school. They offered me after school, after seeing me throw. And then all of a sudden, LSU, Alabama, USC, you know, all these top schools start calling and getting offers from all of them um, and really reopened my, my, my whole recruiting process. Um, about two or three months later, uh, I've narrowed it down between Notre Dame, LSU, and Alabama. Have a, a week's worth of trips that I'm planning. I'm going to go to see Alabama on Tuesday. I'm going to see LSU on Friday, um, and I'm going to go see Notre Dame the Sunday before that trip as well. Um, so I end up taking that trip to Notre Dame on that Sunday. Beautiful spring day, perfect lighting, mm-hmm. perfect weather, and you just feel that that God country in Notre Dame. And then you know quickly realized that there was just no better option. You know, my parents, who, as we were trying to plan that trip to go down south, it was a thousand bucks for all the flights. There was just so much moving and hassle to, yeah. to be able to make it happen. Being able to drive two hours over there, got done with my visit, called Alabama on the ride home from Notre Dame, called LSU on the ride, on the ride home, committed the next day, ended it. Notre Dame is the uh, probably the best decision I've ever made in my life. See that? Yeah. Deshaun talks a little bit about uh, you know going through the uh, going through the business school here at Notre Dame and uh, and all sorts of things like that. He's an entrepreneur now. He, uh, he 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 gets his hands in all sorts you know starts up all sorts of businesses now. So uh, yeah, very cool stuff. Very cool stuff from him. Um, of course, you know, in those days, go to Notre Dame means I had a couple who, offers like. <laughs> hit the wrong button there uh you know back in those days anyway as far as notre dame went getting uh you know you're gonna be a, a, a quarterback here guess who you have to deal with that's right mr sunshine himself brian kelly here's uh here's Deshaun on his relationship with bk thinking back to you know when i was at penn, penn state and i think about christian hackenberg and bill o'brien and like how tight those two were you mentioned Brian Kelly and kind of how he didn't really recruit you that much. You know, you didn't really have a great relationship with them early on, which is kind of not that uncommon that freshman quarterbacks don't know their head coach that well or meet or meet with them a ton. Do you feel like it developed as you got older and got into that starting role more? Or, you know, how did, how did your relationship with Brian Kelly kind of evolve and how do you think it impacted your career? Uh, to be honest, man, it didn't. It, it didn't yeah. evolve. Yeah, I didn't. We that that wasn't how that, that wasn't the 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 environment that was created when we were playing. Now since then, I think a lot has changed. 
you know, since then, he's become much more of a player's guy. You know, just from the stories that I hear, you know, he's having people up at his lake house a couple years after us. He hires a team psychiatrist who's like, you know, thinking about the yeah. camaraderie. He's calming down a little bit. But when I, my, during my time there, I didn't didn't really have a com- or have a relationship with Brian. You know, it yeah. was it was all ball. You know, we we only talked about ball. Um, we only you know we only saw each other out in the field. You know, there wasn't really a. a you know, mono y mono situation there. So that that was a, uh, you know, once again, I, I it's, it's the reason why I feel so so strongly about there needs to be a guy, and that guy needs to have a relationship, and he needs to be yeah. the voice of the team, and and you know yeah. you need to trust in in his in his leadership, and and that wasn't necessarily my 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 college situation because I had Malik Zaire, and 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 you know if 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 there if Malik didn't beat me out my first year who knows it could have been completely different i think you know maybe quarterbacks before me probably wouldn't would, wouldn't agree that that's how they were you know maybe a Tommy Reese or someone who played for quite a bit mm-hmm. like those guys might have had good relationships with BK but for me it wasn't it was never like that it was you know i was i was competing for my job every day if i made yeah. a bad pass he made sure i knew i made a bad pass and made sure i knew that there was another guy who was going to come take my job if i continued to do that and and it toughened me up. I think it made me better my, my, my rookie or my first year plan, but my sophomore year, man, I just wanted to go play. I know the offense. I can check us in whatever you need me to check us into. Just give me the game plan and let's rock, you know. Yeah. But to to have that back and forth was definitely a, uh, a little tough. Yeah, you know, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. starting quarterback. <laughs> you're, you're kidding me. Huh. Having a relationship with Brian Kelly is a lot like pulling teeth. Never would have guessed that. Never at all. Ne- that that's shocking, shocking to me. <laughs> anyway, uh, gets drafted second round, second round pick uh, by the Browns uh, back in 2017. Just 2017, by the way. That makes him 26 right now, going on 27 in January. He's still a young guy, man. Like it seems, it seems like ages ago that he was the uh, the Notre Dame quarterback. No, it wasn't even ten years ago. Has that rookie year with the Browns? It goes meh. Winds up getting traded to uh, to Green Bay, and uh, <laughs> this is really amusing. This just goes to show, like there there is a perception that. Uh, that historically the Browns, you know, at least this iteration of the Browns, uh, you know, the, the 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 team that got put in Cleveland, you know, after the original Browns who turned into the Ravens, after they moved to Baltimore, all right, the uh, you know the the resurrected Browns, uh, this perception that uh, that the team doesn't really know what the hell they're doing, and um, yeah, this goes back a ways too. The trade to Green Bay. How did that go down? Um, I'm out in. So we we brought in uh, a new GM at the end of that season, and uh, didn't really vibe with them too crazy. You know, I didn't, who was it? Um, There's been so many in Cleveland. <laughs> Doesn't came, matter. Came yeah. from Kansas City. This is so bad. I mean, wow. This yeah, is but really there bad. have been like 20 you look GMs. It up for me just so, so I can get the guy's name. I'm blanking. 
He was at Kansas City before that. He came to us. He ended up getting fired. He was a ball guy, though. Like, that was the exact opposite of Sashi. Sashi came in with stats and analytics and yeah. Harvard grad. This dude was a ball guy. He didn't care about nothing else. That's why he drafted Baker. You know, like, that, <laughs> that tells you everything. Like, that, that's, that's what he wanted in his quarterback job. He, did, he didn't want a Notre Dame guy. He wanted Baker. Um, but we uh, – so I'm out. I'm out. Dorsey. Gosh. Oh, Ken that. Dorsey. Yeah, Dorsey. Yeah. There you go. There you go. There you yeah. go. There you go. Um, so I'm out in San, or I'm out in, uh, in Huntington Beach enjoying my first ever off season. I got a little money in my pocket, having a good time, you know, trying to trying to get rid of that 0-16 and 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 just and, and get better, ultimately get better. And, and do you have any inclination that they're going to trade you? Like, are you um, thinking like maybe this isn't going to work out in Cleveland? Yeah, yeah, no. Once again, I don't have a good relationship with Dorsey, but yeah. like, but you could you could you could slice up our team however you want to slice it. Like, you could just take these 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 young first round and me and and. Yeah. Build around that. You can go draft other guys. You can go get the next top. You know, we had plenty of salary cap. You know, that that, yeah. that whole situation in Cleveland, I, I strongly believe if you make that decision with Joe Hayden and Demario Davis at the beginning of that year, you let Brock Osweiler go. What you're doing is you're opening up salary cap space to go yeah. spend that True. the following year. So you can go spend that on Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers wants to leave, you can really go spend that on a real quarterback. So I have no idea what's going to happen, but I didn't hear anything for a long time. So I, I assumed that I was actually going to end up going back. So I get a call randomly from, from Dorsey. I'm on my way home from a workout, driving down to PCH, pulling up onto the peninsula in Newport. He, you know, he's asking me about, you know, telling me how much he loves Newport Beach. You know, how's your family doing? How you doing the football? You getting in shape, man? And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Um, so, conversation. I, I honestly, I answer the call and get nervous. I think I'm getting ready to get traded. Now I'm talking for 35 great, great minutes. Talk. Like, yeah, great talk. This is great. I'm in Cleveland. This is dope. I'm going back. And at the end of the conversation, he goes, "Oh yeah, by the way, Deshaun, uh, we're going to ship you up to Green Bay. We think it's the best thing for you. You know, it's 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 a good direction for us. I think we're going to draft a guy in this class. We're shipping you to Green Bay. Shipping me to Green Bay. What the heck does that mean? Like, what? <laughs> I'm getting shipped to Green Bay. Okay, Imagine cool. being less humanized than like shipping exactly. you to Green Bay. Gosh. So I go. I end up going back. I get back to New. Or I get back to my spot in Newport and get a call from Green Bay, and they're all excited. I go up there and, and do my little visit. See how how much Green Bay was in the middle of nowhere, but like really was like this is the best thing that could possibly happen. I thought yeah. like after going on sixteen, if there was if there was anything that I can ask for, send me behind a great quarterback so I can learn and figure out what being an NFL quarterback actually is. And quite frankly, I watch Aaron. I was watching Aaron Rodgers tape more than I was watching my own tape that that year before. This is sick. I get to go learn from a great. Um, so I was really excited about that and actually had a great time that evening knowing that I was getting out of Cleveland. I can get a, a good reset with a, with a good team. Um, so I was actually, you know, pretty excited. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know, I didn't know what that entailed. I didn't know that, you know, what, what moving a whole house from Cleveland up to Green Bay entailed and, and changing all my taxes and, and all of that stuff. That, like it, that was, that sucks. That starts, that's when you start to really realize does, the business of the Does NFL. Green Bay do it all for you? Or you got to like... That one, yes. Yeah. yeah, that one being being a you know, I got traded for a first rounder, so that was like a marquee trade. They they send it, they you know, they cover ten thousand dollars with the shipping. They they cover you know, they move all your got stuff it. for you. So that was actually a pretty seamless move for me. Yeah. Some teams, you know, do have at least some semblance of a clue of what they're doing, like a Green Bay. Others, like Cleveland, do not. <laughs> Tale as old as time, um, and of course. Going up to Green Bay, uh, as I mentioned, what you know, what year was that? That was uh, 2018 that he that he was in Green Bay. Uh, 
right there, you know, smack dab in the uh, in the prime of Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> this is just really entertaining. Uh, it starts off with the uh, talking about the first time meeting Aaron Rodgers. First time you met Aaron Rodgers, what was that like? It's cool. It was cool. It was you know he's he's a he's a wise dude. So like he, it was a it was like a you know what's up young buck kind of thing. And then it was you know we had met before because he's a part of athletes first. He's a uh, sign of Dave Dunn. So we had met before at the athletes first class before. So we knew who each other were. Um, you know he obviously had a a, a bit of a, a rep of how do, how does he treat his backups. You know, um, but I knew he had a really good uh, relationship with Taysom Hill and and. Um, uh, with Matt Flynn, so I, I, I knew that if, as long as you became cool with him, I know we operate the same way. We hang out in the same circles. We we should have a, a good relationship from a starter and a backup. Yeah. So then, how was that relate? Like w- when he was a starter that whole year, you know, did you learn a lot? Were you how involved were you? Like what was what was that year like for you? It was the it was the it was a really important year in my life. Yeah. Really really important year in my life. So first off, I get to the facility, you know, I, I shook hands with him in the, in the cafeteria a little while back, but then get to the facility first day of practice. We get into the quarterback room. I'm nervous. I don't know what this is like. You know, this guy's the goat. This offense is a real West Coast offense. Like there's a lot of responsibility. You know, I'm trying to be real studious. You know, you know how it is first day. Of, yeah, first yeah. day you got you got 12 <laughs> highlighters for no reason. You got three <laughs> different types of pens, like a setup, get my station right, walk in. Aaron looks right at me and says, Mm-mm. fuck, all right, pick the wrong seat. Pick all my stuff up, move it over. Things are great, cool. I'm going to get set up here. Uh, shut the door, and the first thing that Aaron Roger, that comes out of Aaron Rodgers' mouth was, do you believe in 9-11? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> do I believe in 9-11? Yeah, I mean, why, why wouldn't I? He was like, you should read up on that. <laughs> should read up on that. Okay. <laughs> now we start learning about the playbook and stuff. I'm like, wow. Like, I don't know where this is going. But what it ended up being was just like a, a real thought experiment where he wanted me to go back and you know, look into some of the conspiracies around it and provoke a lot of great conversation. And we really bonded over that. And, you know, we started sharing some books and talking about some other things and got into history and business and finance. But Ultimately, the reason why that was such a great year for me personally, it was that I realized that this guy, in my opinion, is the best thrower of the football of all time. He spins mm-hmm. the ball better than anyone else. I've never seen the ball jump out of a guy's hand. I don't, there's something in the elbow and the wrist that just makes the ball kind of have a little more velocity yeah. than anyone else. And he is a, a, a genius when it comes to football. He remembers every play. He, he remembers every defense. And he is like a, a true, you know, uh, footballer like he, he loves the game he loves to compete he, he's out there playing against the defensive coordinator he's not playing against you I know you're trying to talk crap he doesn't care he's playing against your defensive coordinator that's why when he throws a touchdown he doesn't look at the defense he looks at the defensive coordinator Sideline, yeah because yeah. that, that's yeah. that's that's the the level of the game he's playing but he's also getting off the field and we're spending half of our QB conversation talking about the Federal Reserve <laughs> and, and 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 you know and you know business and investing and and history and all and jeopardy and and yeah. and and, and uh, art and and movies and he's just so knowledgeable of all these other things and it made me realize like I had it all wrong in Cleveland yeah like I that I you thought that both. I had to be all ball I thought yeah. that, that was what you're supposed to be and I realized that no the what makes Aaron Aaron what makes him great is the fact that he pushes his mind to places that no other quarterback will ever go because he. He respects the game for what it is, and he loves the game for what it is. But when he turns off that switch, 
he is trying to push himself off the field just as much as he does on the field. And that, and that's what gives him that competitive edge. That's what allows him to remember the third down play heading into the south end zone against the Chicago Bears in which the DB played like this. So I checked to that, and now you know it's now five years later, and I'm going back to that same play knowing it's going to work, throw the touchdown, look over. Everyone's saying, what the hell? What play was that? And he comes over and tells you, yeah, go check that out on film. You pull it up, and lo and behold, there it is. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's because of the things that he does off the field. It's because he's such a, an intellect, and it's because he's so smart. I think that's what makes him great, and it showed me that, like, yeah, I might be able to do something like that. What were some of the other favorite topics in the QB room? Federal Reserve, artwork. <laughs> do you have any other conspiracy that. theories? About <laughs> uh, inner Earth. <laughs> moon landing. The moon? Oh, he's probably, he's, he's probably uh, got some crazy theories on the uh, moon reptile landing. Reptile people. <laughs> See? Aaron Rodgers has been a kook this whole time. All we had to do was talk to, talk to Deshaun Kaiser about it. We would have found out way 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 sooner uh anyway that's uh deshaun kaiser from uh from the brenneman show uh forthcoming on budweiser's weekday sports beat i've got uh some sports uh some sports betting some picks for tonight uh we'll recap last night as well uh some fantasy football talk as well five players that uh that you should definitely add or at least look at added adding try to add whatever and then uh, fl- five players that uh, you you just got to drop like a bad habit, like now. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, time uh, for the worst World Cup update in the world. Tunisia beat France today 1-0 and somehow still got eliminated from the World Cup. Bummer. Uh, Tunisia needed to beat France, who won their group. Uh, They needed to beat France and hope that Denmark avoided defeat against Australia in the other Group D game. Uh, That did not happen. Australia beat Denmark 1-0 today. Uh, so Tunisia and Denmark are out in uh, in Group D. If uh, if anybody wants to uh, you know clarify something for me, uh, oh nine changes. Oh, okay, okay. The writing from uh, <laughs> from. Uh, the other Group D game to advance. Roared, Tunisia roared onto the pitch to challenge a disjointed French side, featuring nine changes from the side that beat the Danes. Ugh. Also at the World Cup. Oh, man. Who, uh, Poland beat... Uh, Poland loses to Argentina 2-0. And then uh, Saudi Arabia losing to Mexico 2-1 today and that is the uh, the worst world cup update in the world a sports update that's going to be way better uh is forthcoming also some fantasy football talk and some sports betting talk uh that's all to come on budweiser's weekday sports beat
This portion of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat brought to you by Four Winds Casinos. Your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business, and Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Let's see. Let's do the conference championship games first. Split it up a little bit coming up. I'll do. I'll, I'll talk about the conference championship games coming up this weekend. And then uh, do some fantasy football talk, and then we'll get uh, get my picks for for tonight. So, uh, anyway, without further ado, start with the uh, Conference USA Championship, number twenty four, UTSA versus North Texas. UTSA going for back to back Conference USA Championships. The Mean Green allow thirty points per game. Roadrunners won the regular season matchup 31-27 on some late-game heroics. UTSA quarterback Frank Harris and North Texas quarterback Austin Own aren't afraid to take the deep shots. Harris, 9 yards per attempt. Own, or however you say his name, 8.9. Not bad. Should be an entertaining game at the Alamo Dome. Mean Green are 4-3 and three against the spread as an underdog. They'll keep this one tight. UTSA wins, but they don't cover. The uh, the spread on that game, 8.5. UTSA not covering that 8.5. Utah won the, uh, the regular season meeting between them and USC, 43-42 back on October 16th. They've got the chance to play spoiler in the Pac-12 championship game, especially if Cam Rising can replicate the 475 total yards that he had that day. That would be awesome. Trojans did have a uh, 28-14 first-half lead in that game, too. Caleb Williams had 381 yards, five touchdown passes. That was on the road. That dude is fearless. This one, neutral site game in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Lincoln Riley, 4-0 in conference championship games at Oklahoma. That track record of success going to continue. Trojans probably getting into the college football playoff here. USC winning and covering the two-and-a-half points. Toledo versus Ohio. We got some action here. Toledo, a uh, two-and-a-half-point favorite. The Bobcats are trying to win their first MAC championship since 1968. This is their fifth try in the MAC championship game. Which quarterback is Toledo going to start? Who the hell knows? Tucker Gleason started in the 20-14 uh, to 14 loss to Western Michigan. Daquan Finn, the better playmaker, though. Ohio's won seven in a row, has covered in eight straight. Eight straight. Bobcats lost their uh, starting quarterback, Curtis Rourke, for the season, but his backup, C.J. Harris, eh, no big deal, just threw four touchdowns and a 38-14 win against Bowling Green. It's a match, and baby, anything can happen. Ohio breaks that championship drought in style, too. I think they pull the upset. Big 12 championship. TCU, number three. Uh, they are uh, a two-and-a-half-point favorite against uh, against Kansas State. Horn Frogs, they're right there. Hypnotoad can taste it. The program's first college football playoff experience. 
Kansas State, though, they rank second in the Big 12 with 210 rushing yards per game. Will Howard has settled in as the starter for the Wildcats. 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. TCU's kind of got a little bit of a weakness there as far as, as far as the defense goes. Kendra Miller had 153 yards, two touchdowns in the first meeting. Max Duggan passed for 280 and three touchdowns. Horned Frogs cannot fall behind 28-10 this time around. Can't happen. Still, TCU is going to win and cover. TCU is just better talent. It's just pretty simple to see, really. Uh, let's see. Let's move on down. Coastal Carolina versus Troy. Troy is a nine and a half point favorite in the Sun Belt Championship game. The Chanticleers, of course, a different team without Grayson McCall. That showed in a forty-seven to seven loss to James Madison in Week Thirteen. Coastal Carolina needs to establish their running game. They got to get that going. That sounds oddly familiar. Troy has rolled to nine straight victories, running back Kimani Vidal coming off back-to-back 200-yard games. Line's dipped a little bit. Like I said, Troy a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Coastal Carolina going to keep it close. Trojans cap off an impressive season in the Sun Belt under uh, first-year coach John Summerall. Troy winning, but not covering that nine-and-a-half points. uh, One of the big games, SEC championship, of course, Georgia versus LSU. Georgia's a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Like, everybody's coming into this game like, wow, uh, this is really one of the more even uh, SEC championship games we've seen in a, in a little bit, forgetting, you know, last year. 17-and-a-half points is a monster line for a conference championship game. Bulldogs are looking for back-to-backs. Three lost Tigers are coming off a disappointing loss at Texas A&M. I mean, how is anybody saying that this is an even matchup? Georgia's 3-0 against the spread when favored by less than 20 points this season. Tigers are 2-1 against the spread as an underdog. It's Brian Kelly's first appearance in the SEC championship game. It's been, I mean, got to admit, it's been an impressive year with, with Jaden Daniels. Georgia's defense, though... Mm-mm. It ain't happening. <laughs> it ain't. It ain't. It ain't happening for Jaden Daniels on Saturday. It is not happening. Bulldogs barreling towards the number one seed in the CF, uh, CFP. Another impressive victory. I think they're gonna cover. I think they're gonna cover that seventeen and a half. I'm actually pretty confident in that, and like that's that's gonna be a ridiculous. Uh, that's going to be a ridiculous final score, I think. Number 22, UCF versus number 19, Tulane. Tulane, the three-and-a-half-point favorite. That's what, the American Conference? The American Athletic Conference? These teams played back on November 12th. Uh, UCF winning a 38-31 shootout. Penalties, two, cl- two costly turnovers. Those were the problem for Tulane in that first matchup. Michael Pratt's going to stake hot at quarterback, though. Shoulder injury to John Reese Plumley should make him less of a running threat. Mikey Keene, you know, decent backup for the Golden Knights, but the Green Wave learned from their mistakes from the first matchup. They win, and they cover the three-and-a-half points. 
Fresno State versus Boise State. Boise State, the three-and-a-half-point favorite here. The fourth time these teams have met in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. They're a little familiar with each other. Broncos doubled up the Bulldogs 40-20 to in the regular season matchup back on October the 8th. George Holani had 157 rushing yards. Boise State probably going back to that running game. Fresno State quarterback Jake Hayner didn't play in the first matchup because of an ankle injury. He's got 13 touchdowns, just two interceptions since returning. It's going to be a lot closer than 40-20. to 20. Boise State's going to win. I think they're going to cover, but it's going to be a lot closer than 40-20. to 20. Big Ten Championship. Talking about monster lines. We come close to getting to Georgia and LSU, but just fall a point short. Number two, Michigan, 16.5-point favorite versus Purdue. Boilermakers, first-timers in in Indy. It's an interesting matchup, actually. Interesting matchup for the Wolverines. These teams haven't met since 2017. Purdue's a 3-2 against spread as an underdog with three outright victories. Aiden O'Connell... Boilermaker's going to keep it tr- uh, close in the first half, but the Wolverines' running game, even even without Blake Corum, is just going to tire Purdue out in the second half. Wolverines, though, are 2-4 and four against the spread in Big Ten play when favored by more than 14 points. Line moved up two points. Two. 16.5-point favorite is Michigan. Michigan's going to win. I think Purdue keeps it closer than the 16 and a half. I, you know, like Purdue plus 16 and a half may be the bet. And then finally, the ACC championship game. Number 10, Clemson, a seven and a half point favorite versus number 17, North Carolina. Clemson winning, but not covering is my guess. Like seriously, which, which one of these teams is getting off the mat first? Clemson, they lost to uh, to South Carolina. DJ had just 99 yards passing. North Carolina, meantime, two-game losing streak. Drake May limited to just one touchdown pass the last two weeks. If there's the slightest bit of weather in this game, like rain or or, or wind or anything that, that may make this game kind of a muddy mess in Charlotte, this may turn into a really painful game to watch. <sighs> Tigers are 7-1 and one in the ACC championship game under Dabo. Tar Heels hang around under Mac Brown, but a late Will Shipley touchdown run, I think, makes a difference. Clemson wins, not covering, though, as I mentioned before. Uh, UTSA wins but doesn't cover. USC wins and covers. Ohio's, Ohio pulls the upset. TCU wins and covers. Troy wins and uh, Troy wins, but doesn't cover. Georgia wins and covers. Tulane wins and covers. Boise State wins and covers. Michigan wins, but doesn't cover. Clemson wins, but doesn't cover. That's what I think is happening with the uh, with the ten championship games. Regardless. I'm happy I just get to sit at home and watch it all on TV. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Just, like Saturday is gonna be the the type of day where you wish you had like an NFL red zone to kind of 
help you get through it. Just put all ten games on at the same time and just have just have a just have a red zone. <laughs> no conference would ever do that. <laughs> They're all scheduling around each other. Like good little good good friendly conferences. <laughs> anyway. So uh more betting talk. My my picks for tonight, those are coming up. Uh gonna talk some fantasy football coming up in just a few, though. Five players to add, or at least try to add to your fantasy lineup uh as you uh come into the final stretch of uh, the fantasy season, and then five that you just gotta like the sooner the better on dropping them. Just 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 get rid of them. They are a hot mess. Get rid of them. This segment of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat being brought to you by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Also by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. All right. Some fantasy football talk for you. You need to start playing that waiver wire because, hey, Thursday's tomorrow and there's a game. What is that, Buffalo and the Patriots tomorrow night? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to watch that or not. I, 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 I don't know. I probably will. Probably be following along right on, uh, right on my Twitch stream. Get the link at JimOnSports.com. Hey. Uh, so here's five players that you should go out and the very least make the effort to go and get because they will help you in your playoff push for fantasy football one of them being hey Kyron Williams of the Rams Rams rookie playing a bigger role partially due to uh, Daryl Henderson's release that'll kind of happen but he also took snaps away from Cam Akers Williams received all the passing down work as he did last week but also took half of the early down snaps too Led the team in carries with 11. Not the greatest uh, average per carry, 3.2 yards. Not ideal. But you take what you can get as as far as the Rams offensive line goes right now. Uh, Touchdowns are what you want anyway. He finished second on the team in receiving yards as well uh, after catching three passes. The Rams offense in general. Like, like Kyron Williams may be the best piece of it right now. Eesh. Luckily for him, the Rams' next three games are all against teams that rank in the bottom eight in terms of fantasy points allowed to running backs. Well, you know, like I said, the offense hasn't exactly played well. It could take advantage of some pretty poor matchups. So, Kyron Williams is a, uh, a player to add. Gus Edwards of the Ravens, another running back that you should go out and add. He, uh, Returned from the hamstring and knee injuries that kept him out since week eight. Edwards returning to the top of uh, the Ravens' depth chart, running the ball 16 times, 52 yards, and a touchdown. So uh, he ate up basically all the time that Kenyon Drake and Justice Hill were uh, were taking. Most of it, anyway. Kenyon Drake was reduced to uh, splitting time with Justice Hill in passing situations. Two, <laughs> two of them combined for three carries and one target. Yikes. J.K. Dobbins, by the way, 
still on injured reserve. Eligible to come back whenever he's healthy, though. The Ravens have the easiest schedule for fantasy running backs over the rest of the season, too. Edwards should be one of the top waiver wire pickups this week because he can at least help in the short term before J.K. Dobbins comes back and likely handles double-digit carries. So, still, Gus Edwards probably get, you know, like 10 carries a game, 15 carries a game. With how, uh, with how the Ravens, you know, run the ball, not out of the realm of possibility. Michael Gallup of the Cowboys. He surpassed Noah Brown for the second spot on the Dallas depth chart on Thanksgiving. Brown had outsnapped Gallup in the six games they uh, they played together pre-Thanksgiving. But Gallup was on the field for the vast majority of the 12 personnel snaps in Week 12, giving him a large lead in that uh, total snaps played category against uh, against Noah Brown. Gallup caught five passes, 63 yards. It was his first 50-plus yard game of the campaign. Cowboys' next two games are against the Colts and the Texans. Merry Christmas all the way around. Both teams rank in the top four in preventing fantasy points to wide receivers. So, yeah. <laughs> Bottom four, actually. Uh, Gallup sh- could be a factor in the fantasy playoffs, you know, assuming they don't go out and sign crazy pants Odell Beckham Jr. Mike White of the Jets. Really one of the best qu- quarterback performances this year. I know, against the Bears. Blah, 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 blah. Hopefully he hangs on to the starting job. He had 11.3 yards per attempt, 78.6% uh, completion percentage. All single-game highs for a Jets quarterback this year. He had he's thrown more touchdowns to Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore combined than any other Jets QB this season. Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco, not exactly the biggest competition here, but hey, that's who was in front of him. Jets play Minnesota next week. Minnesota ranking top 10 in allowing fantasy points to quarterbacks. New York's going to lead. They're going to need to pass a whole heck of a lot more, too. Their defense is good, but Minnesota's offense is next-level type stuff. Four of the Jets' next five opponents are top 12 in allowing fantasy points to quarterbacks, too. So Mike White could be a pretty solid, pretty solid investment for nothing, possibly. And then finally, as far as adding players, Foster Moreau, the tight end from the Raiders. He caught three of his seven targets, 33 yards, had a touchdown. 77 snaps that he played in, tied for second most for a tight end in a game this season. It was also the second straight week that he played 100% of the Raiders' offensive snaps. Over the last six weeks, he's played 380 of a possible 386 snaps. He doesn't come off the field. One of these games coming up, he's going to get more than just average production, too. All right? He's go- he's going to go off in one of these games coming up. Just got to pick the right one. Raiders play the Chargers next week. L.A. has allowed the third most receiving yards per game to tight ends this year. Could be that game. All right, the five players to cut. Just drop these like like dead weight. Kenyon Drake, I, uh, I mentioned during the uh, the Gus Edwards portion. Yeah, just get rid of Kenyon Drake, all right? 
just the reduced role. Like, like he's a good he's a good running back and all, but they're not gonna run him. They're not gonna use him. Plus, like I said, J.K. Dobbins coming back at some point. I mean, Kenyon Drake may wind up being a healthy and active at, at some point coming coming up on the close of the year. That's that's not good. That's not good at all. Naeem Hines of the Bills. He played his fourth game with the Bills. You could put him on the side of a milk carton, quite honestly, because that's about uh, as much impact as he's had on the Bills' offense. He played four snaps in the four, in the first quarter, and then where the hell did he go? Been playing on special teams, sure, but uh, I'm not exactly optimistic about him getting more involved on the offense. Still a chance. Even so, you know, maybe 15, 25 snaps a game. Even if Devin, uh, even if Devin Singletary was injured, James Cook probably becomes the primary back. It's worth noting that uh, Cook's playing time remains similar to recent weeks. His touches went down rather than up, despite his 86 rushing yards on Sunday. That's just efficiency right there. Yeah, Naeem Hines just... Which sucks, because I'm a Naeem Hines fan. I was hoping that the Colts would get him more involved. Injuries kind of knocked him out of a couple of games. They were playing with the notion that uh, they were going to put him in the wide receiver room because, you know, the Colts had nothing at wide receiver. That didn't exactly pan out that great, did it? Number three on the list, Curtis Samuel of the Washington Commanders. He's uh, just been getting phased out. If you've been paying attention, he was held without a target against the Falcons. Averaged 9.3 targets per game in September. Six targets per game in October. 2.2 per game in November. Washington stayed mostly in 11 personnel early in the season with multiple tight ends injured. But now that, you know, those tight ends are back... And also the fact that, you know, their their 12 personnel has helped them win six of seven. Samuels is not in, not in that personnel group. He's not on the field. As evidenced by two targets in a month. Washington faces the Giants in two of its next three games, too. Giants have allowed the fifth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers this season. Like the secondary's shown up for the Giants, even though there it's it like every other part of the Giants is dealing with injuries. Secondary's still sh- shown up this year, whether it still will against Washington in, in two of the next three weeks, who knows? But eh. Washington's also got its bye week in Week 14, so you know that's just another dead space for Curtis Samuel. Why would you do that to yourself? Speaking of the Giants, Daniel Q. Jones. The Q stands for quarterback. (laughs) I don't even know if Q is his middle middle initial, even. Uh, He was held at 228 yards and a touchdown. 
in the uh, Giants' Thanksgiving loss to the Cowboys. He was averaging 49 rushing yards per game, kind of what made the Giants' run attack really pretty potent through the uh, first part of the season. That average, though, has dropped to 27 over the last month. 49 for the first two months, 27 for the last month. His pass grade's also gone down, according to Pro Football Focus. 70.6 down to 60. I don't like that downward trend. I don't like it. Um, You're basically playing the matchup with him at this point. Giants really only have one matchup remaining against a top 12 team and allowing fantasy points to quarterbacks. That's the Vikings in week 16, by which point you're you might be out of your fantasy playoffs. If a, you know, if, if if he's not a starter, then just cut him. That's that's the point we're at right now with fantasy football. And finally, Jawan Johnson of the Saints, the uh, the tight end from the Saints. He's he had scored five touchdowns in the previous five weeks, but his uh, playing time slowly declining. The Saints do rotate a lot of players, a lot more players, actually, than most teams. All right, Chris Olave only plays 38 snaps per game. How you only having that guy on the field for 38 offensive snaps? Come on. But what he does in those 38 makes him a must start. Johnson used to have, you know, similar splits like that. Played a lot on passing downs, not as much in, in rushing situations. That's slowly changed. Played only half of the team's snaps from 11 personnel due to a combo of Taysom Hill getting more involved in the passing game. Adam Troutman surely, uh, slowly but surely getting more snaps too. Like Johnson was okay as a touchdown-dependent player when he was almost always in those passing situations. But when you cut those in half, the chances of him getting touchdowns drop significantly. And it's at the point where you don't really trust him, period, as far as playing him. And again, if he's not a starter, he can be released. So five to add. Kyron Williams of the Rams, Gus Edwards of the Ravens, Michael Gallup of the Cowboys, Mike White of the Jets, Foster Moreau of the Raiders, five to cut. Naeem Hines of the Bills, Kenyon Drake of the Ravens, Curtis Samuel of the Commanders, Daniel Jones of the Giants, and Jawan Johnson of the Saints. There you go. More betting talk coming up. I took it on the chin last night, I'm not going to lie. Last night was a bad night. Could have been a better night, but, you know, um, should have been a better night, quite honestly. Should have been. Last night was a bit of a wreck. A bit of a wreck. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Presented by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans... This Bud's for you. Also brought to you by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Four Winds Casinos, Legacy Heating and Air, 
Midland Engineering Company, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, Pet Refuge, South Bend Orthopedics, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, and Edward Jones. Later tonight, 8.45 pregame for the uh, game between uh, the Irish men and Michigan State. Michigan State uh, coming in uh, ranked number 20 in the country. They've gone out and beaten some teams this year. Not, not going to lie, they've, they've had quite the schedule. More about that game coming up in just a minute. Let's recap last night, though. Last night, not, a, not, not the best effort in the world. Should have been, could have been. But apparently, using logic gets you nothing. I went with Portland over the Clippers just straight up at minus 165. Clippers wound up winning 118 to 112. Sure, you know, the Clippers were only missing their top four guys. But they weren't missing Norman Powell. He had 22 points in the fourth quarter for the Clippers. 22 in the fourth alone. So, that's a loss. Um, Carolina plus plus 100 straight up against Pittsburgh. I did get that by the skin of my teeth. They beat Pittsburgh last night in overtime, 3-2. to uh, Kind of made it interesting. Definitely made it interesting. Jake, Get, uh, Jake Getzel. Uh, with the game-tying goal at 19.02 in, in the third period. It's like... Like I was, you know, that much of a hair away from uh, from going 0 for 3 on the night. But thanks to Brett Pesci and apparently not calling a, uh, a boarding penalty at 2.20 in overtime... I get the win there. So Carolina plus 100, that's actually a win for me. Virginia minus four and a half. Virginia and the points. Virginia did win last night, but they had a time. They had a time against Michigan on the road, 70 to 68. Of course, that means they don't cover the points. Reese Beekman led the Cavaliers with 18 points. He could have used, uh, you know, another three. Would have been nice. So, one and two last night. Three and three on the week. I'm feeling good about tonight, though, because I I, I think I think tonight get get things back in the right order. All right. Kind of like Notre Dame's football season, really. Just, you know. Turnarounds coming, man. Turnarounds coming. Speaking of the devil, Notre Dame. I like Michigan State tonight and the points against Notre Dame. Fighting Irish are five and one against the 318th toughest schedule in the country. That's not me making up some sort of number. That is the actual truth. They've covered only one of their last seven home games dating to last season. Spartans, meantime, five and two. They've faced elite competition to say the least. They've knocked off Villanova, Oregon, Kentucky. 
lost to Gonzaga and Alabama. Those aren't exactly, you know, chumps that they're losing to. So that's a strong five and two. Look for junior A.J. Hoggard to break down Notre Dame's defense, set up multiple Michigan State shooters. He's got 11 points per game, six and a half assists per game, too. He dishes. Spartans are hitting 37.8% from deep. That's second best in the Big Ten. Notre Dame apparently can't defend from there either. They're allowing 36.4 from beyond the arc. Michigan State and the points. It's a uh, they're favored by one and a half, so I think it'll be you know a decent game at least. But I think Michigan State pulls it out and they definitely cover tonight. Uh, the Lakers. <laughs> Lakers take on Portland, and I'm taking the Lakers because of uh, well, Portland done pissed me off last night. This is simply out of spite. Lakers at minus 225, by the way, straight up. I backed the Blazers at home last night against the shorthanded Clippers. I went to sleep last night. They were up 18 in the third quarter. And they lost by six because they couldn't contain Norman Powell. Now you got a second game in 24 hours. After that collapse, you have to travel for that game. Lakers also have LeBron and AD both probable. Patrick Beverly back from suspension tonight. Dame Lillard still uh, kind of hobbled. So Lakers straight up against Portland just out of spite. <laughs> like that's the worst thing to do is, you know, to like bet angry against someone, but uh, it's definitely warranted, especially against Portland, especially last night. Hurricane Norman Powell coming through. What? Nobody's ever said that until last night when the Trailblazers apparently said it. Here comes Norman Powell. I'm batting down the hatches, put panels on the windows. Finally, an NHL pick. Actually not doing bad with NHL picks this year, shockingly enough. Even last night when I'm skinning by, still doing okay. Rangers at Ottawa tonight. That is a... uh, that is not going to be a fun game to watch, quite honestly. Not not going to be fun at all. Um, I'm going with the under of six and a half. The goal line six and a half. I like the under here. Even with less than ideal goal goaltending tonight. Yaroslav Halak has yet to record a win for the Rangers, but all six of his games have stayed under six and a half goals. Cam Talbot has a two and a half goals against in his ten appearances in which he only allowed more than three opponent goals in just one of these games. Hmm. Here's the thing that really stands out to me. Over the last two weeks, the Senators are only scoring an average of two and a half goals per game. (laughs) Rangers aren't much better. 
2.83 over that same stretch of the last two weeks for the Rangers. Eight straight Senators games have stayed under six and a half. I think that continues. The under is seven and four in Rangers away games this season. I like it to be eight and four. Michigan State in the points. Lakers straight up against Port against Portland. Rangers in Ottawa under six and a half goals tonight. As I mentioned, Notre Dame basketball coming up starting 845, tip off at 915. We've got your coverage here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Tony Simeone may be, uh, you know, cursing some betting picks as well. We'll find out. Sports Radio 960 WSBT.